What is happening? And welcome to Talking During Movies, folks. Hey, a uh, quick intro. We're jumping into a new song here. I uh, talked to uh, the lead singer of Lumberjack Mafia. He had this beautiful song. It also closes out the podcast. You're going to get a little snip of the song, a little edit out of just like 30 seconds of the song, and then bam, our conversation as we talk over Dodgeball, and then the podcast ends with the full version of the song. So enjoy that. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Get at us at TalkingDuringMovies.com. Go ahead and email us, email us TalkingDuringMoviesPodcast at gmail.com. And thanks so much for listening. Love you guys. Be good and enjoy this. Chris, here we are. We are live. Sir, how are you, man? Man, as as much as the, the world is kind of falling apart, I think I'm doing well because I'm hopeful, right? Uh, we've had a tumultuous, I don't know, three months, but then we had you know a tumultuous two weeks in particular. And I'm full of hope. That's how I'm feeling. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm, I'm, I, I try to paddle in that same boat. You know, I, I look at this and think, all right, uh, I got food, man. I got, I got a roof. I got, I got laughs and, and smiles. I got, I got a cold beer. I'm, I'm, I'm better off than to help a lot of other people. And then it's, it's what you can learn from all this chaos, right? Can you be a little more patient, a little more kind? In these That's days, the key. Right? I mean, as, as, a, as a white guy, right? Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's very difficult to see through the lens of blacks, right? My black brothers and sisters. And the best thing that we can do is to listen and connect, love, right? Yeah. But really listen. Listen is the first step, though, because I think we've sucked at it. Uh, I, you know, I said this, I was talking to myself in my last solo podcast. I'd, let, I'd bounce this off you and then we'll jump into the movie here. But my thought process was that I think the biggest mistake we make as a country, um, and especially when it comes to listening and, and civil rights and equal rights for, for people, the biggest mistake we make is that something like this happens, right? Riots happen. People get angry and we're like, you're right. We need change. Everyone says the right things. But six months down the road, we don't treat it like a relationship we're trying to rebuild, right? We, we treat it like a, like a relationship that we don't really want to pay attention to. So six months down the road, there's not a call to action. There's not a president or a congressman or woman that steps up and says, hey, how are race relations today? In fact, you know what? We're all going to sit down and just as we were powerful enough to lock down this country for COVID, once a month in your city, I'm demanding every mayor do a cookout in the park and get right. all your different groups together, yeah. right? So that you guys can talk and listen and learn from one another and have, the, have that free opportunity. 
We're going to yeah. pay for that. Right. You don't want to do that because that, that means there's a relationship. There's an investment of time and of energy and, and of heart. And all of a sudden now you've actually got to, yeah. you've got to like your neighbor because, because it's actually, it's a good thing for you to do. Now, right. We'll just, we'll, let's wait for the nice powder cake. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we need the substance. And the substance mm -hmm. is that it's connecting, right? So I work for a big tech company and my CEO really quickly ramped, got put together a, a Zoom call company-wide. And we brought a panel of just wonderful black Americans sharing their experience, sharing their true feelings, and then connecting with everybody. And so it was that, it's kind of that moment you, you feel, you feel it, you know, you're not together in the same room. You feel this energy, you feel the pain, but then you also feel hope, right? Because uh, they're pouring their hearts and souls out. And so the next the thing is though, is what you just talked about, what's the next step, right? So what I've personally done, I've reached out to all of my friends, my black friends, and how can I help, you know, what can I be a better ambassador? What can I do? And, and it said it's a second ago is you got, you got to listen, but really be honest and truthful. Ask hard questions too. They don't want robots. They want human connection. Right. And so we need to dig in and, and, and find and, and do that. And the way to do that is through our own communities. You start out at work, you start with your, your inner circle, but then you connect in different ways. Maybe it's through, um, you know, your social gatherings, social network, find out where you can connect with people, yeah. you know, but we've got to take the next step or else what is all this is for not, it's for all not, this. you know, and, yeah. and I, and I hope that we do. I hope that, um, you know, I, I promise in my heart, right. That the, uh, whether it's the news or anybody else that someone's going to stop, uh, not altogether, but you know, I got hope, right. That they're going to stop the, the um the, the the explosive media and get back to delivering and, a re and recovering right that that honesty part where you do where the, where they are there to hold us accountable in, in a different yeah. way than hey there's you know murder hornets and this and this, fast cuts what can we do to keep your attention versus hey this is ethically yeah. as a society i think it's a responsible thing to um to learn more about you know, how we can treat each other better and be better and be better listeners and, and everything else. So, you know, with that said, um, I'm, I'm looking at my phone here. So one of the things I did is I, uh, and this is no toot of my own horn, I stole this idea from Sam Tripoli at Tinfoil Hat and uh, Vanessa Marcel, um, how they were giving back and helping people the, the best ways that they could. And so I, uh, I saw a listing of, of black owned, um, uh, diners and, and places in uh, nice. in Austin, and so I just reached out to all of them that I could in a moment until Instagram said, "Hey, you're direct messaging too many people. You got to stop." <laughs> and I also, because I wanted each one to be individual, I didn't want to put them on a big group. I just wanted to let them know, like, "Hey, I'm thinking about you guys." So some of them got back to me, and they're like, "Huh?" I'm like, "I'm gonna give you a free ad read." So. You know, I just want to tell people about you guys. I did Sam's barbecue and you know, I promised Sam that I'm going to come down there. I'm going to try this barbecue. And then um, Vaughn Franklin uh, reached out and, you know, it's funny. The wife messaged me. She goes, can you just call my husband and let him know it's real? And I'm like, absolutely. 
So call them up. I go, hey, man, I don't know you. You don't know me. I got this goofy podcast. I would like to give you a free ad. And if you ever want to come on the podcast and talk about life and food and everything that you do that just brings back to community, you're welcome anytime. Anytime. Just let me know. He's like, okay. So all that said, you know what? Vaughn Franklin, um, <clears throat> their, uh, their Instagram is Fowler's Smoking Soul Food. Folks, you're going to have to follow me and then um, I'm following them. So they'll be connected in this post as well. Uh, they are uh, on the website is www.fowlersfowlersmokinsoulfood.com. They're at 5811 Maynard Road, Austin, Texas. All you got to do, this is barbecue. And this isn't, once again, you know, people talk about, oh, this is like down home cooking barbecue. No, it's not. Because I've had your food at your house. Not you personally, Chris, obviously. <laughs> but to my friends that are listening, I've had your barbecue. It's good. It's not restaurant, been around for a minute, suffered through financial depressions, stayed strong and fed a community good. All right. You're, yeah, right. I'm hungry. Okay. I can get this meat off the bone. I guess that'll work. I didn't realize that sausage link came that way, but okay, I'll eat it. That's your at home cooking. This is restaurant, amazing, deep roots and understanding of barbecue, barbecue and people that just love to put their heart and soul into seeing a smile on somebody's face when they take a bite into that food. And you got to love that, man. I mean, I, I love the small restaurants because of that. I love walking in and you call them up and like, Hey, I'm going to get this. And you see, and you're like, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for doing this. Oh yeah. And they just, they let it like, really? And even, even without a pandemic, just to be like that, because, you know, usually they only hear the bad stuff or, you know, they just get the person who's hungry and, you know, they're like, Oh, well that person's a little hangry. No, it's like the glue of a community, right? It that is local restaurant. Um, if you don't mind, I, I would love to mention one of my friends, get it, uh, get it. Patrice. Um, I went to, I went to B school with her. Uh, we got our MBAs together. Patrice Rogers, sweetest, funniest, awesome. Um, she's a black, strong black woman, and she runs a phenomenal boutique wine bar called Ooh. Wine Sensation, and it's in the heart of Round Rock, Texas. It's right there on 409 North May Street. Um, they actually cook a really, really good food. You know appetizers salads things like that but then you can pair it with any any type of wine you want and patrice will walk you through and and, and give you an amazing experience at her place that's wine sensation in round rock nice and i'll tell you what that is um wine is like good food right you just you can't just know how to you've got to know how to prepare it and serve it and deliver it in an articulate manner that really makes your taste buds come alive before it even gets there. And, you know, chefs do that well with fans and the right seasoning and the right timing and lighting everything up. And people who understand wine, sommeliers, I mean, that's such an art form. That is such an art form. Right. It's like the, the gateway to, to true taste, you know, culinary yeah. experience when you, when you marry a wine with, with good food. And if you have somebody that can, walk you through it and provide that experience it's all the better and it's a social experience See, everybody has their own um you know palate and, and yeah. they may taste the smoky flavor over here uh 
some other person might have a sweet texture. Who knows? And you talk about it. Absolutely. And it's good stuff. It really is. Good for her and keep up the good work. Um, she, uh, when we put this out, I want to e email me her info so I can make sure to tag her in the okay. Instagram and, and Facebook and all that. Now, last but not least, before we jump into the movie about you, where can people find you? Talk about your music a little bit. I mean, that's kind of what got this kicked off on Facebook. <laughs> you would actually drop some and said, hey, I worked on this. And I listened. I was like, wow, this is really cool. But then you've got, you know, different parts of music. You're, you're, a, you're a, a, a modern, modern day storyteller in so many different ways. So. Yeah, man, um, man, my story can be a long one, so that's not really an intro. We can maybe weave it in throughout this uh, We show can do here. that, too. Yeah. Um, but, then with the social handles, then. All right. Um, my band is called Lumberjack Mafia, right? You can hit us up on Facebook, Facebook, Lumberjack Mafia. Instagram, just look up Lumberjack Mafia. And uh, I would describe it as kind of a, a heavier edge, right? But with, with, with a lot of soul and like impact, if you will. I'm the lead singer, write the, the songs, and I've got three incredible other musicians that make up our crazy ass, funny, awesome band called Lumberjack Mafia. Nice, very yeah. nice. And so the movie that you picked for us to watch, Dodgeball, what is it about uh, Dodgeball that, 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 you, that you love so much? It, it's that quintessential line, you know, if you can, you could dodge a wrench, you could dodge a ball, right? Um, <laughs> it's just a funny kind of, it's the underdog story packaged in just raw comedy, right? And I mean, the, the cast speaks for itself. You know? Yeah, the cast is amazing. I am yeah. um, like three seconds in, I'm gonna hit the old uh, play button there and it's just gonna, you know, as it does with this goofy podcast, the people sometimes they'll email and be like, hey, you missed my favorite part. And I'm like, well, I don't know you. So good <laughs> Sorry, time. man. You can always email us, talking during movies podcast at gmail.com. Um, I would lie if I told you that I do it and it, um, and in doing that, uh, you're going to see what, you're going to know what movies are up in advance. Just, sorry, folks. I'm just not, that's not me. It's just fun. It's fun to sit down and, enjoy this so we are ben stiller i mean kind of a handlebar mustache kind of not fantastic <laughs> hair and this is this is it seems like this is the gym that um that yep, everyone yep. hates but also everyone kind of wants to go to you know uh, exactly he's so passionate man so passionate and then just popped you know everyone's on steroids uh everyone's in yoga pants no matter what. No matter what. No matter yes. what. I, the, um, the gym, there is something it seems like when it comes to the gym, especially whether it's, and it's the owner and the intro salesperson that have the same passion for the gym, right? And the middle person, whoever makes you your smoothie at the end of your workout, there's like, I just need to get the fuck out of here. I'm not, I can't. You're pumped up. I get it. You got a good burn. Move along. Get out. I mean, have you ever been on one of those gym tours where you're that, you know, you're the consumer? All right, I just want to check this out. Then yep. you've got like Captain McBuff. Hey, welcome to so and so gym. Let me just give you the tour. And then juxtapose that, right? To you're just a dude, 6 p.m., maybe doing, you know, lifting weights, trying to not have a big, 
big belly. You know, you know. <laughs> and you get this annoying, loud sales guy, and and then this <laughs> this person following them, kind of in an awkward boat, awkward fashion, getting this whole gym tour. It's just a weird scene, and we all go through that shit when you go to a big gym. I don't know. It's no, it is. It's a. It's not. It's not set up for uh, for the most comfortable sale, right? Because it's not yeah. even like you can prep the group. Like if I'm mad or I'm annoyed with my gym because they haven't cleaned something or the treadmills have been broken for a while, when they walk by, I'll stop the person and just be like, hey, real quick, I know last week you said you were going to fix all these broken treadmills and they're still not fixed. And the guy's looking at me like, dude. Talk I'm about put them on the, oh, that's awesome. Just because then I'm, I'm like, I just want to get it done, right? Just get my stuff fixed. I'm, I'm paying. Um, and if this person's going to pay as well, fantastic. Get it out of here. Let's go knock it off. But I just, right. you know, I, I never, I've always enjoyed the gym um, to go there as a destination spot, but I've never enjoyed like the big lifting, crazy aggressive, uh, you know, roided out monsters that, uh, that, that we get in dodgeball. That's it's a totally different culture, but you know, that subset, it, they draw from re reality because you, know, you get that. Um, in certain gyms, especially. Yeah. Is there a, um, <clears throat> you know, you've got uh, Vince Vaughn and he is the other gym operator, a little more down in his luck. Um, <laughs> you know, I love it. It's the average Joe's gym, which is, I guess, kind of like what you would consider. Uh, I'm trying to think the, uh, the 20, not 24 hour fitness, but um, Planet <laughs> Fitness. Planet Fitness, like, right? It's just the like, non intimidating hey, gym. Yeah, we've got, listen, you can tan here. You, we've got leather sofas. Pizza delivers in the back. It's all good. No one's going to judge you. Exactly. <laughs> Come hang out, right? <laughs> and it is, uh, you know, what's, um, have you ever, you know, it, with, throughout, throughout work and, and life, um, have you ever been in that uh, Vince Vaughn position where it's either a left or a right turn, right? I mean, you barely got the car running if you even got gas to get, get to the office. And uh, whether it's your business or the business you're working with is you have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of, but you also have faith in the fact that if there's just one spark, uh, it could really ignite. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, gosh, I, I was one of those kids when I, when I grew up, I was a creative kid. I sucked at math and I, ha I didn't have uh, a path, if you will. So I took the jagged path and um, joined the military right after high school and um, learned a lot about myself at that point. Mm -hmm. And I, I really didn't have the confidence, you know, when I was growing up to really see things the way they, they are. You know, I didn't really take things on as I should, but when I, after the military and the, I got real life experience, I, I just threw myself into, into challenges. Right. And, um, fast forward to now, I was always intimidated with, uh, I don't know. I, I was, I was a smart person. I'm an avid reader. I, I, I love creating things, but academically though, I just had a bad rap. I had ADHD and all these other things. Mm -hmm. So I went back to school in 2015. I'm 48. God, I'll be 48 on Friday, but um, Congrats. 2015, I, thank you. 2015, I went back and uh, got my MBA. Just nice. to, something to teach my children, you know, like 
I'm going walking into something fairly intimidating for the next two years and I have to commit mm-hmm. myself. I work full time. I'm not prepared, but let's see what happens. And I ended up finishing in 18 months with a really? 3.7 GPA. Nice. You know, nice. My message there is if anybody, you know, you have self, we have life, cycles of life, right? Little chapters we have when we live. And some of that people suffer through self doubt or maybe um, a, a friend or a family member told you at one point that you're not good at X or Y. Don't listen to that. Um, go and find yourself. Go, go find what you, you enjoy and seek it and take a risk. Guess what? Fail as well. Failing is a, your first indicator of, of success. You know, I always yeah. tell my kids fail fast and fail hard. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, you know, it's great advice. It's uh, you know, you see these little quotes and things and it's, you know, I tell my daughter, I'm like, man, you failed. That's awesome. You're one step closer to achieving it now. Just learn from your mistakes, learn from your failure. And I'll talk to companies about building teams. They're like, well, how do you build teams? And see, you gotta let, you gotta have the courage to let people fail. Yep. You know, and then, and you've gotta, and you've got to, in that same token, have the understanding that you hired the right person, that they'll learn from their failure. Exactly. You have to give them the space. And, and yeah. very, failure is very, it's very productive if it's done the, the right way. You just said you have to have a support system too that can uh, uh, has, has the patience and, and the guidance, you know, to pro- provide that, that mentorship that you need. Um, yep. And then you can get the, it's a perfect feedback. Okay, that's exactly what I shouldn't do. What should you do is <laughs> the next question or should be the next question. What, uh, what was one of your big takeaways from, uh, from uh, the military? Um, well, I grew up in a military family. We, I, we call it the family business. My mother. <laughs> my, my conspiracy uh, listeners right now are just there now. They're like, oh, my God. Lumberjack, the mafia, what? Hold on a second. Pause. Smoking <laughs> a big fat cigar, and I'm saying this is the business, man. It's the business. It's the business. No, it all started out like uh, my grandfather was a Marine, right? And uh, he fought in the Battle of Wake Island, which is not really talked about a lot. Um, remember when we got bombed by, uh, in, in Pearl Harbor, Japanese fleet came in mm-hmm. and, and took us out. And so when they were... They turned around and they were on their way back to the homeland. There's a little atoll called Wake Island. And there were only 200 Marines stationed there with maybe 50 um, civilians. And it's really just a um, observation post. And the Marines that were there, I mean, you have the Japanese fleet coming back. They, they lasted 10 days. They fought the, that Japanese fleet for 10 days. What? Uh, ex- yeah, it was crazy. And my, my, my grandfather was one of those that he was dual trained. So he was trained as a mechanic mm-hmm. on um, Mustangs, P-52 Mustangs. And he also trained, he was a pilot. Like, they were smart back then. They are like, all right, if you're going to fix it, you're going to learn how to fly it too. Sure. And so after the first or second strafing, they just almost destroyed the airport. They destroyed every airplane. However, they've got, he and about 12 other Marines, put together three birds. They got three planes that were flyable, and he was the one, one of the, the pilots to, you know what, I'm going up. And he Dude, went up. How is this not a movie? Oh, I know, it's crazy. 
he fought he shot down like two Japanese aircraft and then they shot him down he lived to tell the tale he successfully parachuted landed and then I remember he was telling me when I was a young young lad he said he was <laughs> surrounded by the enemy and his pistol and uh, he was steadfast scared to death but ready to, to die for his country and then all of a sudden behind him somebody hit him in the back of the head with the butt of their rifle and then he woke up as a prisoner and he spent 44 months in a Japanese prison camp until the end of the war Ooh. and I uh, survived. I have newspaper clippings. I, I mean, it was uh, crazy. So anyway, that the military bug, in fact, I could talk to him for talking about him for a long time, but segue to my mother who joined the Navy during the Vietnam era. She was a medic and my father was in the air force and served 26 years. And I was like, well, I mean, everybody else is doing it in the family. I might as well. So what did so, I do? I was, I was a black sheep. I joined the reserves. I joined the Navy reserves. So, so you got, so, you know, I'm thinking about the band. You're the lead singer, right? So the name comes from the grandfather, the stage presence and the lead singer comes from dad. The putting it all together and make sure it works comes from mom being the medic. And Right. Put stuff together that's, that could might be broken, right? <laughs> I mean, comes through, comes right through. Yeah. There is a, uh, there's a set of discipline that, um, that, you know, people who, who choose to, to serve our, our, our country in any capacity is absolutely, I mean, it, it, it blows me away. It's, 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 you know, it, it really does. It's, um, I, I, you know, the, well, the one thing I hate about not traveling as much really is that one of my favorite things to do is I'll see some young men and women who, uh, you know, are in their fatigues going from one place to another. And if they're old enough and they can, I'll buy them a beer. And if not, I'll get them a cup of coffee or, you know, whatever I can yeah. and just chat with them real quick and just tell them thanks. And it's one of my favorite things to do because, I mean, I never served. Uh, don't know that... <laughs> at the age of 17 or 18, um, <clears throat> I would have, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's a part of me that goes, I don't know if I would have succeeded. Uh, there's another part of me that wished uh, I, I would have tried. I probably would have learned some lessons a little faster. Right. Uh, than than, uh, than the regular route, the, the harder route I took for sure. <laughs> I mean, the one thing that's tried true is one is the discipline, but to, especially if you're going through like boot camp or if you go through a hardship, if you're, you're the people that are surrounding you, you're, you're, if you're in the Air Force, your fellow airmen, your fellow shipmen, your fellow Marines, if you're a Marine, et cetera, your soldiers, uh, those are your brothers and sisters. And color means nothing. It's just honor and duty and respect for each other and keeping each other alive and supporting each other right and so mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing when you see that when you really see it you go through a hardship together um you know boot camp's a good example you're spending 12 13 weeks sweating getting yelled at and none of the stuff that you came in all the baggage you, you had in your life whatever it was whether you're from the inner city of detroit or you're the rich kid from dallas all that shit doesn't matter when you're together in that room going through that process, that transformation, it, it supersedes all of that. So you're humans, you're, 
it's a beautiful thing. You learn really quickly, you know. Um, you learn about trust. You learn you learn about cultures. You learn about how people do different things or think different ways, because you have to survive. You have to understand how each how the unit works, right? So you have to dig in pretty deep with your fellow, you know, your airmen, marines, or soldiers. Sure. Right? It's, you know, that's the thing that scared me about, one of the big things that scared me about the, uh, the COVID-19 shutdown, you know, our kids are going to learn how to communicate by being around different kids. You know, yeah. uh, they're going to learn how to communicate by being around different teachers, old and young, uh, some that have experienced more than others, whatever it may be, right? They're going to, yeah. they're going to learn how to problem solve uh, if they don't, because it's just not mom and dad problem solving with them, right? It's, get an older grade, a younger grade, you're dealing with kids two, three years older than you sometimes. And those are important, valuable lessons in just growth. You know, it's, uh, I think it's, it's, it's crucial. And it's, um, you know, it's in the past that, I mean, it's bothersome, right? Because then it goes into how does she get that? What is that? You know, what happens? What's that like? And uh, I don't know, but you know, I can't imagine that on the tenfold of, of where that's at when, you, um, when you're doing basic training or anything like that. But I know what college did for me and I know how college helped me and brought me into an area as far as communication goes and, and understanding people better and being a little more patient and sometimes being, a, you know, also taught me quite a bit of arrogance and some other things as well. But, um, <laughs> right. you know, that's the beauty of the program is you gotta, you gotta get built up to get that balloon popped a little bit, right? Yeah, it's got to happen. You know, it's got to happen. It's um, the uh, you know, dodgeball five years ago, well, not five years ago, say fifteen years ago, kind of a, a fluky sport, a, a sport that I maybe we're we're very close, we're you know a year apart. Um, a game that we played in high in 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 grade school. I mean, it was PE. This was it was, this was the number one game, the number when one game. Yeah. And just the, the brutalizer, right? Because you couldn't punch that kid. But, man, you play a little dodgeball. Boy, it, howdy. It was a humbling game. Very yeah. humbling game. <laughs> very, very humbling game. It's, is there uh, – what was the sport when you were growing up? What was the sport you wanted to, uh, to play, to, to do? Uh, football. Football? For sure. Yeah, I was a fullback and a linebacker. And I went to small private schools. For the kids, uh, so was, for, for the kids real quick. I don't yeah. understand that, that that term you just said, uh, full back, because we don't have that in football <laughs> anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for you. <laughs> Tell them what a fullback did, yeah. because I don't. I think the fullback is is ready to make a comeback, in my humble opinion. Oh man, it's it's a glorious position because you're that you're you're that player that goes in the front lines. You're protecting what we call the tailback, you know, and the little guy. You're you're essentially a lineman in the back and just you know ramming into other people at full speed. Um, your job is to create a hole for the for the tailback and get some yardage. Now, on occasion, if it's uh, second down in you know nine, hey, I'll be called and I'll and I have to shoot in and 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 do a fullback rush. Yeah, you know, you're you're celebrating that one yard game when you're fullback. But the best part of that job really was blocking. That was awesome. I loved. Well, you got a full run. Well, the other person's standing there waiting. Yes. 
you've got a full head of steam. Who's um in, in the NFL when they had fullbacks? Who is who is your fullback? Oh my god, who's my fullback? God, I don't even know. Man. I mean, mine was Tom Rathman. Ooh. See, I like Tom. Yeah. Great, you know, but the 49ers, that West Coast offense, it actually um, was built with the fullback in mind. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, and, and where did where did that go? What ha- what happened? Uh, well, the- you, so you went from West Coast um, I formation to a split formation, and then those those fullbacks, those guys that love to run and hit people, turned out they're also really good linebackers. Yeah. Right. So then you've got two pass catchers, because generally speaking, right, fullbacks, not pass catchers. You got right. two um, pass catchers in the back. Uh, and one usually that can, you know, like a Tariq Hill that can just fly yep. above a handoff or anything else. And you got the other person that just kind of flares out to find the hole in the zone and you're good. You know? Right. But I wish the I wish the fullback was was still a, a mainstay. Um, watching watching Tom Rathman run into legit linebackers, you know, the Bill Romanowski's and just button head. It just, all right. To answer your question, Daryl Johnson was my guy. Okay. My, it's a great Cowboys one. fan. You know? Cowboys fan. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the Cowboys are going through a little um, rough time. They, um, do you think the new coach is going to, is going to make a difference or is it, is it like the Raiders where, you know, they're just waiting for Man. people to pass? I, I, th- I think so. This is a time of uh, reinvention of the team and the brand and of the play style. And the, I don't know. It's, it's a big fat mess. It's what it is. <laughs> it's an, I mean, it's an, it's an interesting, you know, it's uh, Jerry Jones is an interesting owner, right? I mean, he's, he is he's a unique and, owner. Yeah. He's in, in a way, right. I mean, he's, he is that if you were to write a script and you wanted the I'm not racist kind of racist, really rich mm. old guy, <laughs> right? You, I hear you. Yeah. You, you could just be like, uh, well, I can show you these tapes of this guy. And they're like, no, no, you got to make him up. I mean, that's the made up guy. He's right. hanging out with strippers at the bar. You know, he's he's got the wife and he's he's brought his son into the family business, but he doesn't quite get it, you know, and um, and everything's a family decision because we're a family. Yet You know, it's cutthroat and murder that makes every other Fortune 100 boardroom look like the Boy Scouts compared to what he probably runs that group through on a weekly basis to get the best out of them. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. I think that that should be a reality show. It should be in, you know based on someone should needs to write a book at some point in time they're gonna have i mean i don't know what ndas they're signing to get employed when you get close to jerry but i bet he's got everybody signing ndas <laughs> he doesn't want anything to leak hey i mean, listen i grew up a niners fan still am yeah uh, being from montana so joe montana and then finding out when i lived in whitefish montana that um their uh, their owner ed DeBartolo, riverboat gambler Got in a little bit of trouble. Just a a wee bit. Sure, wee bit. And his <laughs> sister took it over and just gave it to her husband as like a wedding gift. She's like, here, take this billion dollar franchise and run it into the dirt. I dare you. I was like, oh, I can do better than Wrap that. Wrap it up, put a nice bow on it. Just destroy oh, yeah. it. Put it out for the out of pasture for years until uh, the second, still this other one came in and the other son came in and 
I think Ed can take control back now, but they're doing good. So who knows? But yeah. all of that, I mean, all of that's very interesting, right? Because it is, um, at the end of the day, they're, they're, we're playing a game. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, you're throwing a ball to a, a friend or a colleague, you know, um, but it's, it's interesting. Like, I don't, I've, I'm always curious about this thought process. Run this by you. I th I, nothing encapsulates the idea of different relationships better than sports. The, the battles on the court with different players, you're going to meet them twice a year versus the one-off. But hey, if you're in the state championships or you're at the all-star game, they're probably going to be on your team. And you, right. you know, you'll, be, you'll be nice and hang out. And you got the people that you're going to fight twice a year, go after twice a year, and those are going to be battles. And you're also going to see on the weekends are probably pretty close to your hometown in some capacity at the drag strip or cruising strip or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you have these flyby moments and these these gratuitous moments and, the, and these these battles and then these friendships and even the friendships on the team where it's close, where it's not, and, and how they develop. It is like a microcosm of life. Right right? It's this crazy microcosm of life. And at the same time, that microcosm comes with all the negative things of, of, of life as well, right? Greed, corruption, desire, lust, wanting more. And if that means stepping on someone's neck to get there, that's okay for the moment or, or whatever it may be. I mean, it yep. really is, you know, and the NFL is probably the best example of it because of the size of the teams and uh, the, the diversity of of cultures just in cities, right? I mean, just right. where the teams are at, let alone where the players are coming in from, but just the teams yeah. and how they see the world. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. And at the same time, it seems like, once again, we don't learn from the sport and see the relationships and then see how they kind of cross-pollinate and what that looks like and, and what it means when you like build a super team or whatever, because they've been friends from different teams together. Right. You know, we take all the bad stuff and we run with it. And we're like, yeah, let's be dicks. Let's give that guy a concussion, knock him out, throw him, throw his ass to the ground. But we don't take the, the growth parts from it. That's true. And then also we, 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 we're outsiders watching on Sundays. But it's one thing to take, you know, like a, a relationship with you know, Tom Brady and um, Gronk, right? Yeah. Those guys. Yeah, they've been on top of their game for years, but they go through, everybody's human, you know, you have, Gronk's had a lot of different health issues and whatnot, injuries and whatnot, but that grind though, to stay elite at that level though, is, it's gotta be an amazing, I'm curious about that. Like what happens on Tuesday at prep? What are they talking about? Or what, what if they, they had a bad day? How do they process that? And then, and then to go on Sunday to play at this level that, I just can't even fathom yeah. and sustain that for years. You know, like Tom Brady, for example, you know, he's what, 40, what is he, 43 or 42? 42. He's, he's got, 42. Oh, no, for, no, 40, yeah, 42, maybe 43. Is he flirting with 43? He might be close to 43. Yeah. Yeah. To sustain that level of play and that, that focus. I don't, it's just, he, he's more of a, um, a strong leader. Well, he's an athlete and a strong leader because he can take anybody. Um, I mean, they're all elite players, but um, 
and he can find and, and, and find you know their 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 niche right and be able to play and, and get them to play their best is my, my point is yeah he, Tom Brady's good but he can he can get an entire team behind him and and play at this elite level it's, it's what do you think that is what do you think that is that because not everyone I mean obviously in the workforce right we see it um, you see some CEOs that are that are great leaders you see other CEOs that maybe um, the style in which um, they they lead they think is great but more importantly it's it's it's, um, it's not um, you know and I don't I don't mean and I, I really don't mean to make this political but he's in the spotlight as as a leader mm-hmm. you know the president of this country and and some right. would applaud his leadership and, and some are, are, are mortified by his leadership right, right. Yeah. but there's there's polarizing leaders and then there's the Tom Brady leaders right like Michael Jordan was a polarizing leader yeah. right Tom Brady seems to be hey you run a button hook route the best I've ever seen so the one play out of the 32 we're going to call tonight when I call button hook catch the fucking ball because yep. it's so important every inch is important and I've got, I've got to have you for the button hook right I think the magic there's a lot of different things there's no magical wand one <laughs> hard freaking work bottom line so what does that mean he is respected because he will outwork anybody outstudy where he knows the game. He knows that individual's game better than they know their game. And so when Tom, a guy like Tom Brady is, you know, strategizing about a play, hey, look, you're, you're badass at the button hook. I don't care what you think or what you, you've <laughs> got to be perfect, but I know you can do this. I know I have the ability to get it to you. Do that. If he didn't have respect or if it's kind of like, all right, or, or maybe he's bullying him, he doesn't have to do that. And so some leaders have that resistance of they have to bully through it. Trump, I don't, a lot of people that work for him probably don't respect his ass, mm-hmm. but he bullies through and he gets things done in a different way. Brady's more of a the servant leader type that he identifies the strength of his fellow players and then is able to highlight it and then lead. And convince, it's not even convincing. It's just showing them their own strength. And then they, they perform. Um, it's a I mean, different mindset. I, I would hope, I would hope someone, I don't know who it is, what psychologist is out there that gets a hold of Brady <laughs> only to figure out how to put his leadership into words as a book. To yeah. pull the best out of someone for, a, for, a, for just a, a moment and make that person feel like that just wasn't their moment, that was the team's moment is well, special. Right, right there, what you said, um, and I think Brady's one of those servant leadership. I've been fascinated with that, the concept for years because servant leadership is the ability to see the strength and also identify the weaknesses of your your group that you're managing or your team, and make it better. And that's putting you outside of the of the limelight and putting the team first. So that's incredibly difficult to execute that because human beings are egocentric. We want to get that pat on the back. You're playing elite sports. 
talk about ego. So to be able to play at that level and being able to lead like that from a kind of a servant leader, I see a lot of servant leadership in him. Yeah, there needs to be a book because I want to read that too. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Poor Chris. Yeah. He's like, comedy podcast. We're going to watch a comedy. We're going to talk over it. Perfect. We're talking servant leadership and race relations. and <laughs> Bring it on. No, but that's, that's what I love about this, this thing, right? Is that the movie's still there and it is... It is tangential to the movie if you think about the way that Ben Stiller runs things versus the way that, you know, uh, that Vince Vaughn does, right? I mean, he is, he's not a servant leader. He is a, I need to be motivated leader, but I have a general thing that I can pull the best out of an individual for a moment, right? And he does that a couple of times in the movie and, and Ben Stiller is you know, people are going to be like, it's because of the hair, but he is like the Trump figure. And here's the funny thing. Never before in my history of, of life and anything else, have I thought about a president's personality and who they are and how they present themselves as a personality movie type that everyone would instantly get. Right. Right. I mean, it's one, it seems like it would be offensive if you're like, oh, that's Obama character you're like no no obama was this you know whether you like him or dislike him is in consequence of the fact that he was a statesman uh he was very uh, for know, sure a master statesman he really but it's was. easy to make a caricature out of trump you know it is and, and, and juxtapose that into a character in a movie you're like yeah yeah and it, but you know even look at like george bush jr who you're gonna be like okay but where's the likable i want to have a beer with the recovering alcoholic that can't have beer guy Right. I mean, <laughs> in the movie, right. Right. It's crazy. You know, Jimmy Carter. I mean, shit. They couldn't even get him played well in the Hustler movie. Oh, uh, no. it's just. It's oh. like, come on, man. And he was the sweetest guy in the world. He's, uh, right. He's hanging out with the number one pornographer on planet Earth, being like, "I'm gonna bring a soul to Jesus." Ah. And it's like, I love your conviction for that, sir. I applaud yeah. you for that. However. You're not a hero. You're just yeah. a peanut farmer. And once again, I don't know who that character is in a movie. Right. The one thing I love about Carter, what he brought, he made it easier for us to consume beers from uh, small, uh, small organizations. I think Sierra Nevada was the first independent brewery that came out out of the Carter industry. Uh, Car- really? Carter. Yeah. Yeah. Before it was illegal. You couldn't even uh, brew your own beer in your backyard illegal and then uh, Carter dismantled that and the first uh, real independent brewer brewery to succeed out of that was Sierra Nevada well, and I love Sierra Nevada we are in yeah IPA, hey, baby some, we're in arguably some great beer country you brought it up yeah. so let's talk about some beer oh right man there. we're in beer we're country in, right here so we're, we're both in Austin Texas what are your uh, what are a couple of your go-to beers in Austin Texas Oh, oh man, Thirsty Goat is my number one go-to um, beer. Arguably, what uh, next to Independence, probably the oldest here. Are they a Thirsty Goat older than Independence? Oh man, I don't pretty know. close. They're they're pretty close though. They're up yeah, there. they're they're originals. Yeah, Thirsty Planet, um, mm-hmm. and then but the Thirsty Goat, there's something magical about that beer. I don't know it's what it good. is, but it's damn good. Yeah, it is really good. Uh, it's smooth. It's um, on tap. Delicious. Get it anywhere. I mean, oof. 
man, what's the brewery that has like kind of like the 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 death metal art on their bottles? Oh man. Well, there's um there's stone. Oh, no, yeah, they definitely have that look. Oh no, it's right here in Austin. Right here in Austin. Um, yeah, I gotta think of it. Oh, fits you. Um, man, I can't think of it right now. Let's see here. We have. I'm trying to think. We got Fire Eagle, or we have Austin Beer Works. We have Circle Brew. We've got Hop Squad. Um, Gosh, uh, we have um, Rar and Sons. We have. What else we got? Guar and Sons. That's a good one. It's a good one. Um, there's the um, Mechanics one. Skull, Skull Mechanics. Yep, that's yep. pretty good. Uh, we have um, 12 Fox up in Dripping Springs, which is excellent. Yeah. Uh, they do a heck of a job. Their, their Dunkel is, I don't even like Dunkels. Like, just get away from me. And they're, <laughs> they're really? amazing. And I'm just like, I'll have really? two. I'll have two. Um, there's so many. There's uh, what, Real Ale, 512. Real Ale is, oh, what's that one? The Devil's Backbone. Yeah. Wow. Good beer. Watch out for it. more than three, man. I'm doing some crazy things. <laughs> you know. It's, it's, uh, it's, you know, we're, we're blessed to, to be in good beer country. And that's, that's a, that's a fun fact about Carter. I didn't know, but I can tell you, uh, I, I respect him even more now. I would say, I, I've always yeah. said this, you know, people can agree or disagree with his policies and who he was and what he did sure. all day long. I don't know that anybody did more with the, the monarchy of the presidency after being president than Carter did. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. he's done in putting people in homes and what he's done in feeding people and what he's done. I mean, he's just, he's a pretty well, magnificent human being, quite honestly. And then that doesn't mean he's he a great walks the walk. He just, he had his view, his convictions, and he never strayed from them, which is, very Without a doubt, and he's one of the few that that can stand up and 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 look you in the eye and say that he did that. Yeah, we all see it. By the way, the brewery I was thinking about is Jester King. Mm, Jester King, yeah, that's yeah. They, the look, check their artwork out. Their artwork is amazing. They um, are they are on point with artwork that matches great artisanal beer. Uh, they do it. And their pizzas out there are delicious. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's fun to go out there. That it's beautiful out there. Hill country. Hill country, Austin, Texas, man. It is uh it's fantastic. We um yeah, we're we, we live in a blessed spot. What are your um you know, everyone talks about barbecue in Texas, uh, yeah. but uh what's your what's your go-to food here? Which what do you think in where you live, your area that they do the best? Well, I'm gonna go to barbecue. Interstellar barbecue on 620. Really? By far the best in the region. I would say they were actually just published on Texas Monthly last year. That's how last month. That's how good they are. Um, so you ever heard of the place Noble Pig? They had a little yeah. sandwich shop, right? So yeah. Noble Pig, these guys are five-star chefs. They have run five-star restaurants. They, they went to culinary school. And at one point, it's like three years ago, the owner said, you know what? Let's ditch the sandwich thing. Let's go right in head first into barbecue. Makes sense Knowing because that, you're killing the sandwich game. So you should leave it. <laughs> right? So much risk was, so much was at stake in that, that. 
anybody that would sit down and go, hey man, we're in the age of Franklin and you're talking about starting a barbecue joint when you're surrounded by the most amazing barbecue. And your sandwiches are, are ridiculous. You make your bread. Which some people would argue is better than Easy Tiger's bread. Oh, it's so good. I mean, the knuckle sandwich was my favorite. The beef okay. Sandwich. Oh my god. Um, so anyway, yes. yeah, I was, I was hopeful, but I'm naturally a skeptic, you know. And um, but I'm like, I'll be the first customer there because I love Noble Pig and I don't live far from there. And so I go in, and oh my god, their their game, um, it's they were a a players, I guess, right from the start. Their brisket. Amazing, moist, and what I how I test a good brisket? Order their non-moist. Order the just lean brisket, and if it's or, amazing, yeah. there it's incredible barbecue. And theirs was right, but theirs their restaurant really to differentiate is about the sides, smoked scallop potatoes. What? Where would you get that in a barbecue place? Interstellar. Wow. It, it See, is. I, I manage, I, I do, I'm with you for sides. And I look at two things. Yeah. I got to know the mac and cheese, how it's going down. Right? That's Are they doing that double baked mac and cheese? They doing that ooey, gooey, cheesy little crumble on top mac and cheese. Yeah. Those are two different palettes, right? Like the ooey, gooey, I can spice up. Like I can put some chopped jalapeno in there. Then I got the rich creaminess and, and the double baked. It's a little drier. Not my jam right. personally from where right. Montana and all, but I look at the mac and cheese and then I look at the chicken if they have mm -hmm. it. Cause well, I, I want to see how they handle the skin. Yeah. Right. Because that skin either one bite and it all kind of comes off and it's gooey and it's just soaked in barbecue sauce. There's no Christmas. There's no, there's no, uh, that, there's not that texture layer that goes. You want a crunch. Yeah. But you want that. You want like that sugar thing of the barbecue sauce and then the crunch and then the meat. That's the right? perfect bite, right? That the first layer bite. is like, and then you get into that meat. Oh man, come on. Yes, they do chick it. I'm telling you, you're going to oh, like it. Oh, see? Right. This is the other thing. I mean, this is what I love about where we live, but also um, not just where we live, but the opportunities we have, right? I mean, we get to talk about barbecue and food and, and these, 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 these artisanal people, these people that took a, a, an epic sandwich shop. It wasn't yeah. about diners, drive-ins and dives. I want to say it was. It was. It was, yes. It okay. was. It was it like five or six years ago. It was a while ago, but it was, it was on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so here you are and you branch out. And if that, if that doesn't inspire you, if that doesn't show that you live in an entrepreneurial community, if you don't live in an entrepreneurial county, mm -hmm. you know, region, state, I don't know what does. I mean, Franklin and the guy from Uchi, right? They made that kind of barbecue, sushi, hybrid yeah, restaurant. Talk about. I mean, they both branched out and got uncomfortable, but it's also, it's like, that should be your inspiration, right? That should, that should be your motivation. And and what drives you to, 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 to move forward or do something different and not be afraid. Right. Especially in your success. Exactly. Because if you think about that, sushi and barbecue, that could be either a laboratory of epic failure or genius. 
And yeah. turned out pretty genius. Turned out pretty genius. You're always <laughs> formerly noble pig, right? Which talk about the barbecue turns oh, out man. genius. To be open for only two years and be in Texas Monthly Magazine just in May. Yeah, that's incredible. Done. Done. Yeah. That's, um, and that's inspiring. I mean, that really is inspiring. And people should take note on that. I don't care where you're at in the world. And we get some. Let me pull this up because we were doing this the other day. So uh, we are, as people, we have, obviously we don't listen, we don't do this live. Um, but, you know, we're looking at Canada right now from the last podcast listening, right? U.S. Yeah. obviously, then Canada, France, right. Finland, Hungary. Panama. Finland. I'm from Finland. That's my last name, baby. <laughs> nice. Anyway, I had a shout out to my Finnish people. There we go. Give a shout out to the Finnish people. And then we have uh, Panama and we have um, uh, Kazakhstan. So, wow, cool. But it's fun, but it's all, so it's, it's, but the reason we bring this up, you know, and, and, and oddly enough, like other people in the U.S. don't get it. You know, they're like, hey, you sometimes just talk about Austin too much. Like, get back to the movie or, you know, get someone from a different city. And I'm like, yeah, but I have people live, listening all over the world. Very fortunately, knock on wood. Yeah. But it's, it's also like we try to talk about these things, not that you're missing out on it, but that it should inspire you to do it. Evidently, no one's done it perfectly, right? right. I mean, good as Franklin is, you can only get so much Franklin. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you know, to the international, um, everybody listening from all different parts of the world, Austin is, is, is a transient city. It's a city full of you know, from people that come from all over the place. And as a result, we get the benefits. We reap the benefits from that. It's a cultural clash of awesome. It That's is. I mean, it is. The Swedish bakeries. Oh, geez, I mean, we have got three or four in this town that are amazing. People can talk about Tex-Mex all day long. Uh, it's good. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's good, but it's it's you know it's I mean, I don't know. It's salt and thyme, artisanal butcher shops, right. amazing. Great, great bars, great, great breweries. We talked about great distilleries, yeah. great food all the way around. I mean, we are you know we're we're living in that time of of what should be considered inspiration, right? You shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't feel out of place or like you don't have it, whatever it may be for our, um, you know, for, for our, our listeners, you know, struggling or out of a different country. This, this should be the thing that goes, who, who makes the best of what and where you're at? You know, for here, one of the best things is barbecues we talked about, right? So for to be around for two months, being Texas yeah. monthly, well, you've done something really special. And uh, I mean, that's like being um, trading stocks for two months and CNBC calls and says, we want to profile you. Right. Right. Exactly. That's, that's kind of it. Um, so I bring that up because who does it better? Do you make the best donuts or does the donut person who's been telling everyone they make the best donuts, make the best donuts. Cause if you do go make donuts champ, right. Go get it done. Show them. And it's just because you can't get a loan, then guess what? Then you sell out every day. Good. That, may, that creates demand. You know, the, the, the economy has changed so much. And, and I think that, um, you know, Dodgeball actually highlights this really well when you think about the big Vegas show and they're all coming in and, you know, you've got everything going on. You have the commentators, you've got all these different teams. They're all jazzed up, right? <laughs> and then you've got the average Joes and they're like, yeah, man, we're just here. 
but we've right. got heart and desire and passion. And I mean, you know, you don't get me wrong. And you said it best. It starts with hard work. It's not like they didn't put in the work to get there, but at the same time, put in the work to get there. And if you sell out and all you can afford is four rotisserie chickens and you sell out every morning, right? Yeah. Good for you. Then guess what? You've accomplished a goal that you, you didn't sell out four rotisserie chickens the day before. Well, it's also like, what's a common ingredient? Like these guys in, in dodgeball, right? They're the underdogs. Part of it though, is an ingredient fun. You got to like what you're doing, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's where they begin. You know, they're funny characters, right? Yeah. But you pit them into this, you put them into this tournament or uh, competing against all these various uh, teams. Uh, it works, you know? Oh my God. I don't know what it is. It's, you know, it's, and it's also, it's just, it's one of those I'm things where, here. well, it's, you know, you, you've got to look at these things and think in the same capacity, right? Yeah. From the outfits of their first, of their first match. Right. And they're, you're just like, okay, you guys, geez, man. But also, that was ugly. Yeah. But also think about this. Are you comfortable enough in your own skin that the exterior skin doesn't matter? Right. Like, do you want something so bad that you don't care if someone um, instead, you know, uh, gives you a different look? I mean, the, the, you know, I'm just, I'm curious, you gotta be curious about what matters in this, right? Is it, if I don't have the right suit and tie on then I can't get the job? Is it, is it the mystery shake of, 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 your, of your socks or is it you? You know, I, I right. challenged a kid this and he told me, uh, Henry, if you're listening, brother, I'm not speaking out of school on you, man. I love you to death. But I was on his podcast with him. Yep. And Henry's awesome. And he's just, he's got this wealth of information on monster movies that is just, it came from a monster movie podcast is amazing. His insights on like, this is the 1954 original Godzilla. Did you know that actually it couldn't come to America until like 1984? And these are the reasons why. And he goes into it and he just breaks everything down about how they challenge or deal with nuclear war and what that looks like. And very smart man. So we're done. We're talking. And I always end on these hokey things that, I, that have empowered me and made me feel better. And I told him, I said, hey, man, you got to love you inside. And it doesn't matter what's on the, what, what you're wearing or what you're not wearing. I'm still going to order, you know, I'm still going to get one of your sweatshirts, brother. Hook me up, right? I want one of your independent artists. Like, no one else has this. Come on, man. Make me feel special. As I say, you got to be you first without the clothes. Right. Um, But I tell him, I say, man, let's get up in the morning, strip down naked, look in the mirror and say, I love you. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay. And he texts me, he's like, dude, that's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And I almost threw up the other day. Like, there, there are harder days. And I'm like, yeah, there are, and it sucks, but it's also important because it sucks. Right. Right. It's, it's easy to love you on the good days. Hey, I got guest X, Y, and Z. We did this mm-hmm. movie, you know, this came in and this came in and I got a sponsor, but what about the shitty days? And you still look right. in the mirror and say, I love you. You know, and I would say the average Joes, as, as they win and lose throughout this tournament, as they come together and fall apart and come back together again, eventually, spoiler alert, it's that mirror look. It's that thing. Right. Right? 
that you love yourself. I mean, you know, you do music. What's, Man. what's you know, there, there's an I love you part to taking something so precious that you write and create mm -hmm. and then sharing it with people and a trust factor that they're showing up because they're going to love it. Yeah. Part of that, part, part of like loving yourself and loving your work is um, you've got to be able to handle the consequence of other people not liking it and being okay with that. And if you don't love yourself, you don't like the work behind it, um, it, it actually affects the actual work, right? It's not authentic, you know? Um, you know, like that, that song, Colors, it was only 10 days ago, it was Saturday, it was the heart of the riots, and I could not sleep. I couldn't sleep at all. And uh, my bandmates, you know, we haven't practiced since March, and I wanted to share music. I suck at guitar. So I was like, what can I do? And so I, I put together different beats and different sounds with, with, with you know, software and created the song out of nothing, but it was out of pure emotion, pure emotional response to our ugly world. And uh, sometimes you can light a fire, you know, and that, and if you share that, it's pretty raw. You're exposing yourself. And how I tell, how I explain it to people that I've talked to about that process. For this particular song, it was, it was my virtual hug to the world. But I, saw, I see a lot of anger. I see a lot of justified anger. Um, I also see hope. But, but as a person that isn't of color, what is my role? I wanted to unite and listen, unite and spread love. That's, that was the whole gist of the song is to give everybody a virtual hug um, and listen. Really, really, it wanted to be that, that um, mechanism, that bridge for me to say, hey, I'm here to listen. So please, you know, let me know. Give me your perspective, right? So uh, that was the the whole meaning behind it. Um, yeah, shit, spread what's love. That, what's that? What's that like when it's done? How do you know when it's done? I mean, is it because at some point, right? There's, no, I mean, barometer is the wrong word, but there's there's a there's got to be a pressure gauge or something that says it's done or I've now completed or this is why this is you know important, whatever it may be. Um, um, well, for the longest time, um, I only had two verses of the song, and I knew at the time that it was, it was, it was incomplete. And I was struggling, and I was almost a, about to hang it up, right, for that, for that moment, and maybe come back to it the next day. But I decided, you know what? No, I, I've got to, I've got to respect this, this feeling that I have more and dig in deeper. I knew it was done when I, when I, I wrote the last the last piece, the last part of the, of the song. It just, they closed the chapter for me. Um, ah, what is that feeling? Uh, you just know, <laughs> you just know. <laughs> it was also 5.30 a.m. Uh, that helps too. But, but in all seriousness, just know that the, the song did have a perfect balance in my mind. When I, when, um, I don't know if we can do it if you want to. 
Um, you know, we, we have the talking during the movies intro song. Mm -hmm. um, but if you want, do you want to put that song to open up this one? Absolutely. I would love based, that. Based on, based on just what we talked about to open up. So I, I, would, I would love that. <laughs> the, the last line, I'll just say it. In, yeah, no, please in, say it. But I mean, everyone's now heard the song. So it's kind of interesting because right? they'll hear right. the song. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll have our conversation, which breaks into, you know, the, the barbecue spot and then your spot. And then we've, we've yeah. got restaurant, other spots, we've got beer spots. And then we, now we come to why is the theme song differently? You know, uh, an hour, 10 minutes into this podcast and that's perfect. Yeah. So, so tell them the last line and let's, you know, cause there, cause there's, it's, Folks, you, I mean, obviously you've heard it now, so you've heard it, but I just, when you hear it, and the reason why I think this is cool, bring it up like this is because they've heard it and they've kind of dealt with it the way that right. they've heard it. And now, and then they've been softened up. It's kind of like the, the hook shot, right? You're hitting the body, hitting the body. And we're like, we're doing this stuff. Oh, <laughs> by the way, that song, hook shot. Well, it's well, kind of how the song was written too, right? So <laughs> yeah. I had... I processed my day. I was playing with my kid. I'm watching the news, get disturbed. This, that. My day happened. It was like all, it was just my day, right? And then at about midnight, that's when I started writing, right? So it's kind of funny. We're about an hour, 20 minutes in. It's very similar kind of vibe. Very similar vibe. I love it, man. I love it. Well, it'll work out perfect then. And it's that's another one of my favorite things to do. It's just, it's... There's a thing about being able to introduce people to, to things, songs, movies, commentary, mm -hmm. insights mm -hmm. that um, they've never had before, they've never seen before, been a part of before. Right. And, uh, and those, those things are cool. I mean, that's the one thing that, um, you know, uh, that I've always wanted to do as kind of a connector and a person who just wants the best for whomever and not necessarily like the best for me let's say but the best for the moment right because it'll go back to let's go back to relationships when we we're talking about earlier right there are the moments there are the ones that pull you through i mean like we have songs for moments of our lives that were epic songs that maybe if you heard them at the right bar at the right time you're like oh man slide a drink over part right. not leaving <laughs> this is there's too many memories we gotta, we gotta we're gonna have a chat now and there's yeah. times, and then there's just those songs that, like my first song that got me in trouble is still the same song that I love to this day. You know, Jose Cuervo, you are a friend of mine, Tanya Tucker, mm -hmm. her version, right? I remember my, my dad and my mom got divorced and I'd go out to Portland, Oregon and hang out with my dad. And he and um, now um, his wife, my stepmom, came my stepmom, play out they'd play billy joel they would they'd play eddie rabbit they played you know tanya tucker and one of jose cuervo my mom little ride at the sheriff of nottingham very religious i mean assembly of god speaking in tongues beat the tambourine oh man All i mean right. like your band obviously needs a tambourine and we're gonna talk about that later but seriously <laughs> right so you know she's that's like, a debate that's yeah. a debate. <laughs> He's like, I'd rather take cowbell than tambourine. <laughs> but there's, you know, so there's this thing. And, you know, we're driving down the road one day. And I'm like, Jose Cuervo, you're a friend of mine. I like to drink you with a little salt lime. And I go, I'm singing a song. 
And right. she slaps the shit out of me. We're singing about booze. And we're driving on our way to church. Calls my dad, pissed off, cusses him out. To this day, you play that song. I'll sing every verse and I love every moment of it. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, the rebel spirit. The rebel spirit. It's But, you know, as a musician, I bring all of that up for two things. One, I want to know if you have one, if there's a life song for you from when, from a young age till now that if it's played, you're, you're in. And then two, um, what is, for lack of a better analogy, like the doctor's oath is shall do no harm, right? I'm, I'm here to help. You know, a, as a musician, what is, your, what is your oath of, I shall only manipulate your emotions so much? <laughs> you know, I, well, I'll go into the philosophy of the songwriting process real fast. Um, Please. And how I try to connect. Um, lately, as I got old, as a, you know, as, as a, a mature, right, and kind of view the world with more wisdom, I guess, I like to share stories. You know, I have a song that's about grit and it's about picking up you know, pick everything up and, and just face your face your demon. Face whatever's challenging you or maybe keeping you up at night or causing you stress. Look it in the eye and conquer it. I write songs like that. I write songs, uh, there's a song, um, two years ago I was diagnosed with type two diabetes. And I have a song called Type Two. And it was really about my thought process of Wow, how do I mentally grasp what this is? What are the ramifications? What can I do about it? It's a fighter song. It's a song about um, hope, but with you can't just hope your way out to success. You need to change your life. You need to do things to make it better. So, what, eat better, work out. What you know, whatever it is, your how to handle that. So, um, I try to draw upon personal experience, but then make the songs relatable to anybody. So if you picked up and you listen to it, you actually listen to the words, it'll mean something to you for your personal story, for your experience. I try to think about that when I'm writing. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, also that's, and I tell people this all the time, I go, if you want, because I'll get brands and people that come to me and go, hey, can we talk? I'm like, listen, if you want an ad read, that's what it kind of sounds like. I'm not doing a two hour ad read with you. I'm going to be. Yeah, ad. right. Come on. You know, I mean, listen, the, the, the small 350 people a day that download this podcast in some form or another, right, from the 130-odd episodes we have out there, you know, I'm just like, I can't, I can't do that. If you want to be honest, you want to let people know who you are, I'm in. Yeah. Now I want to know. It's a completely different vibe. It's yeah. a completely different vibe because if I want, because then if at least I know that and I understand that, I mean, then we're good. Because then I think everyone else is good because they get to know you a little bit. And that's the yeah. important, you know, that's, that's the greatest thing about, you know, it's the, the, the two, I think, most unique jobs in the world as far as interaction with people go. And musicians move past this um, on a much more regular basis than the latter. But it's uh, musicians and stand-up comics, mm-hmm. right? Because when you're at your greatest... You're not selling out stadiums. You're selling out the large bars where you can still engage with the fans that have driven four hours to come see you. Right? So you're, you're, at, you're still you're really at that working most, for it. 
Yeah, yeah you're at that most vulnerable touch point at the same time you're mm -hmm. also at the most vulnerable touch point for those fans that are at the impetus, right? They're, they're the fire starters, if you will, of the marketing campaign that no record label or anyone else can, can replicate in any capacity. Yeah. And what is the, the love of, of liking something unique and different uh, to, to them or that their friends haven't heard or shared with them. Exactly. You know, and I'd say comics are the same way. The only difference is, is that even still some of the biggest comics in the world Right, they uh, they still show up to um, to a bar, and you know, with a hundred people and do their set. The Dave Chappelle still will. Oh, they do their reps. They, it's amazing. Yeah. How do you how do you handle that connection? Because that's got to be emotionally taxing in some capacity. You know, it's it has to start first of all. My fellow musicians, Sean. My friend David, who I've known since college, um, Ben, we have a pact that we're, we're friends first, and um, the music that comes from us has to be somewhere, a place for, uh, genuine and honest. Okay. And so that's the pact. And as soon as we would lose that, then we're, we're done. But we're not even, we haven't scratched the surface yet. Um, and so when you're immersed within that level and that frame and you know that your musicians that are around you are in the same mode without thinking about it, it's freedom. It's amazing. And the, it's, it's like a euphoria. You feel like even if you're playing in front of 20 people, we had a really good show in January. We we're on the cusp of being highlighted as one of, uh, you know, Austin up and coming band playing with top talent like bands like Dancer have been around for 30 years. We were going to play a bill with those guys who have a really big following, amazing prog rock musicians. They asked us to play with them. And um, it doesn't matter if you're playing with front of 20 or 200 people. When you have, we start out with that honesty perspective as a band. When you get on stage, you want to share that with people? If it's two people, it's 50 Magic happens. <laughs> it's crazy. We were playing downtown in February. February 20th was our last show. And uh, we're playing at the Dirty Dog. Oh, and yeah. all of a sudden, I see a lot of blue coming in. <laughs> Uniforms. All the cops. They're coming in. And we're just rocking out and shredding. And one of uh, my neighbors is actually a police officer for APD. The good ones, all right? I'm not a, a, a very, a, just an awesome human being who, who spends his time working with, with, talking to local businesses, talking to people. I mean, he's, he's like a mayor, man. People love him. He's just an awesome guy. Well, I get a text from him. He goes, awesome show, Chris. I was like, I had no idea you were here. What are you talking about? And that just gave me goosebumps, you know, like That's random awesome. text from somebody. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 I, I love it. It's like fuel. If now yeah. I'm starting to get uh, it's it's an emotional thing for me because uh, I'm going to be out of music for probably well for the band probably through September because I have a I have surgery coming up in July the third week of July. It's going to take me out for six six weeks, but I'm going to be back at it hard. <laughs> How do you fill that? Where do you what do you do to fill that void or that that, um, that difference? 
Oh, right. That so day one, you're high on, you know, you feel yeah. that they have that high moment on stage and you come back. Um, really, uh, that's a hard one because it is a you, you're not we're not seeking for the next moment, mm -hmm. but I think that goes right into especially for us as a band into writing. I take that energy and I, we've written a ton of songs in a pretty short period of time, and so I take that energy, capture it, that lightning in the bottle, and try to create a new song. And so that goes in the creation process. Wow. I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm honestly, I'm blown away because it's, you know, there are talents that people have, you're right. And you just, you, you kind of step back and you're just like, I mean, I can't, I can't hum a tune, strum a guitar, you know, to save my life. Uh, I have a lot of musician friends and I've been around some magical moments. I mean, I was, we were, this is South by six years ago, I think now. Yeah. Uh, I'm working with this group. We rent the upstairs of this uh, office complex and it overlooks a parking lot that Live Nation has for all their bands. Mm -hmm. And my buddy calls me up and he goes, hey, I've got a band in town and their vehicle broke down. Can you help them out? I'm like, yeah, sure. Tell them to come to this address. They can come upstairs, free food, free drinks, air conditioning. Um, I'll get them an Uber wherever they need to go and I'll, you know, reach out to some friends and uh, you know what, someone can um, check out their van for him. He's like, thanks. So we're upstairs, it's at night, the van's taken in, they're looking at it. And uh, my now friend, my two friends are sitting there, male, female. They go, can we sing some songs for you guys just to say thanks? And I'd never heard their music. I was like, yeah, I would love that. That's, yeah. So turn all the lights out, light all the candles. We've removed every piece of office furniture upstairs, which is this big open flat. And we put couches and chairs like high-end you know William Sonoma furniture everywhere and then really kitschy cool built-in bars that you wouldn't know right. are there and uh, they start playing well my friend hears them and he goes downstairs and the two people from Live Nation are downstairs and there was a couple bands that were coming in the next night and they, uh, they hadn't confirmed yet. So Live Nation goes upstairs and they sing Hallelujah. Mm. Beautiful song. And everyone's crying. I mean, I'm talking the two executives from Live Nation are crying. Wow. Crying. Mm -hmm. We get done, you know, we turn the lights on. Everyone's just like, okay, they're wiping their face, right? There's like no one. Everyone gets a cocktail. And the guy grabs me and goes, hey, who are your friends? And I go, oh, this is, you know, Great Caesar. And they're amazing. Uh, I love them to death. He goes, what are you guys doing tomorrow? It's like, uh, what do you mean? I'm like, well, we need a new um, headlining act to close out our show. Would you guys do it? And they're like, they looked at me and I'm like, you say yes. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you for the word yes. Come on. Here it is. And they called the other band. They're like, you can turn around and go home. We don't need you. Wow. And they huh. did a show. And then they came down the next night and we were doing this whole Des Moines. We were working in the city of Des Moines. Yeah. And they just did a pop-up show and the PR person for Des Moines, I love this. She's like, this is not on the schedule. This is not on the uh -huh. schedule. South by Southwest, this is not on the schedule. And our, and our, and our mayor was gonna talk and it's, now these people are singing and this is not on the schedule. And the gal who we were working with finally grabbed this girl and she's like, shut the fuck up and enjoy the music, okay? Right. And then 
What I didn't know is the guy from Imagine Dragons, mm. there's a special microphone in Des Moines that he only sings on, hmm. right? So Imagine Dragons only records their vocal tracks there in the studio in Des Moines yeah. that my buddy runs and owns the microphone. Wow. Well, because of this Des Moines thing with Great mm -hmm. Caesar, they go to Des Moines, they hit up that studio that my buddy owns, they get that microphone, and they do a recording session in Des Moines. Wow. <laughs> it's just, uh, but that's, that is the power of music. No. Because really music brings people together. It's like this thing. It's like all the mm -hmm. other things are, in my mind, are ancillary, right? There are, there are road trip, music, beach, music, night out, music, day in, music, doing chores, music. I mean, show me where music, cooking, music. Music. Barbecue. You want to have an excuse to have a beer at 5 a.m. and you've right. been getting everything ready for the last, you've been up all night, put on some blues and crack yeah. open a beer because you're barbecuing and you're slow cooking something amazing that's going to be the best lunch anyone's ever had with this beautiful crust on the outside of your tri-tip, blah, 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 blah. But yeah. music. Music, that's my not, jam. If I'm ever gonna smoke a brisket in my backyard, which I do on occasion, I will be up at like 3 a.m. I throw on Spectrum on Sirius XM, whatever they play. I'm just in my you cannot heaven. you cannot cook without music. I don't believe you can. I can't function without music. <laughs> but I mean, in like general. you see, you see people like quiet kitchens, like these open kitchens that don't play music. Yeah, like your food doesn't taste as good. Doesn't taste as good. Nope. I don't know. What's making you cut the way you cut? Oh, is it is it is it Guns N' Roses? Fine, I'll listen to Guns N' Roses. I have an appetite for destruction right now. Exactly. So. See, <laughs> but also it's like great pun. It's also it's fantastic because it, it pulls out of who you are, right? It, oh, it really does. I mean, I was oh, we were going to do this thing before COVID came out with um, of the Legends of Soccer because they have yeah. this, they have these um, entertainment games. One of the big games is U.S. versus Mexico. And it's just all the U.S. players versus the Mexico players, no matter mm -hmm. what team they're signed for, right? All good. Here we go. Bada boom, bada bing. Fantastic and fun. That said, right, you go in there, you do it, but, dude, they were taking their tequilas, these different tequilas. They're taking them, and they're doing U.S. cheers to one and the Mexico cheers to the other, and they, right. they were gonna blind taste test people and see which one they liked, and see if those tastes of what they liked mattered for who won the game, almost like Madden. Huh, right. Right? Yeah. This whole idea of, of that, and it was, I mean, obviously, you know, and, you know it's, it's a weird thing, like anything else, to belabor the point that goes, yeah, well, if this was, if people wouldn't have gotten sick, we could have done this, you know, and you never, I, I, I always, I always say this when I bring up COVID and, and disappointing moments. Um, it's very simple. I, I'm not in any way wanting to disrespect the loss that anyone may have or the pain that a loved one may have had sure. uh, being sick. Um, it is 
for lack of a better term, it is an opportunity of what I've been given in life, which is a microphone and a freedom to have some very flippant, fun conversation and, uh, and, and bring out whatever may come next, right? Absolutely. And, uh, and you never want to discount anyone who's, who's lost anything at the same time. You do want to look and go, hey, I think it's okay at some point to look back and go, we missed out on these things. Not that we should regret missing out, but that now you make a better plan moving forward, knowing what can be taken away or not taken away from you at any given capacity, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. If that rationale makes sense. Yeah, I, I see, you know, my wife and I, you feel almost kind of um, guilty when you're like, man, what, some of the positive things that come out of this is this, you know, with, within the nuclear family, we really had fun, creative ways to enjoy ourselves, right? Entertain. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to switch, pivot real fast. Please, I think pivot. it's a good moment to share that last version because it's pretty much about this. Uh, the last verse of my song, which is called Colors, it says, I see beauty amongst the chaos and love will defeat hate. The exchange rate for love is infinite and hate is just a disguise. Unlock your potential and share it to the world. The children are listening. Yeah, that sums it up right there. Boy, that last part gave me goosebumps. The children are listening. Uh, it's, you know, my, my daughter, we talk and I've ingrained this since the jump before she could talk. Mm -hmm. Only one word you're not allowed to say and that's can't. Yeah. And when people say it around, I'm like, hey, and she'll be like, dad, they cussed. And they're like, you know, church. I didn't cuss. I'm like, yeah, you did. I said, can't. <laughs> Listen, Captain Faith of a Mustard Seed. I don't <laughs> care as much as I just want to say this. Don't say that around my daughter. Don't do it. Right. Don't do it. Because I'm, she's not, I mean, it's, it is what it is and it is what it isn't. And what it isn't is it's, you know, and her teacher at man, she's like, oh man, she said the F word. And I'm like, do you know what the F word means? Do you know where it came from? <laughs> she goes, no. I'm like, so you're mad at my daughter for her mouth making a sound that you don't know where that sound came from. And you just think it's naughty. And she, you know, and I'm like, good. And she's just, she's looking at me and I'm like, so it's a farming term from England. And it's when they grabbed the hoe when they went after cabbage. Hmm. And because of the wet sound, when that hoe would swing in to that wet soil and hit, it'd go, fuck. So I'm huh. going to go fuck some cabbage. That's where it comes from. It's a hard working term for going out and doing shitty hard work. Wow. That's all it is. Right. Nothing else. Super simple. And, you know, I, I look at her and I'm like, so you're mad at my daughter for saying that word, but you've got every other kid in your classroom saying can't. So which, which kid really is setting themselves up for success and failure? Right. Because though I don't see on the resume the can't section, right? Yeah. We've evolved 
um, about how we communicate and we're profanity 20, 30 years ago, we were growing up, right? I mean, yeah. remember Eddie Murphy raw, people were trying to count the upwards and they were tipper. Oh Ooh, man. So angry. Like, they lost man. count at like 957, <laughs> you know, I don't know. They're like, all right, fuck it. We're not going to count anymore. Ah, who cares? But it's, but we like, that's the thing we got it mad about. That was the moment. Right. Mad. Yeah. We didn't listen to what he had to say though. And what he had to yeah. say, and then, you know, and it showed where you can, sh and I'll bring this back to, to race, and I'll bring this back to Dodge, but I'll bring it back to it all, right? It showed where you can take a moment and decide to change the narrative to your comfort level versus addressing the narrative that's being positioned in front of you. Right. Right. And, and we took the Judeo-Christian narrative of I can't believe that person would say those words, obviously not educated. Mm -hmm. uh, read those jokes, man. Listen, 19-year-old, 20-year-old young man in a red leather jumpsuit. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Right. That is. And oh, yeah, but he used the F word, so I'm angry. Stop. So yeah, they're going to discount the entire genius performance on a silly four-letter word. On, on a silly word that your meat suit makes. A grunt, right. for lack of a better term. A right. grunt. It's amazing. But it's amazing what we will do to discount people, right? That's a good point because context is everything. Mm -hmm. In order to really dive into context, you've got to listen. Yeah. God, and listen to things open you don't your like. Mind. Bingo. Get uncomfortable. Sit in that seat. That's where growth occurs, anyway. Yeah. You know, we're all, well, there's a lot of confirmation bias. So we're naturally going to go and pursue information that aligns with our political or religious beliefs. But you know where growth happens? When you actually do the opposite. You go and you sit down and you talk to somebody that has completely different views than you. And you know what's interesting? Human beings have a tendency to gel together. You're gonna find, naturally connect and find ways that we are common. We need more yeah. of that. Well, yeah. I always use the dollar bill example. I'll show you one side, you'll show me another side, right? Like Jason, yeah. who's a dead white guy here. I can't believe you're not seeing this. I'm like, it's a building. I can't believe you're not seeing this. And the <laughs> difference is the thickness of that paper. <laughs> right? Right. We get caught up. My buddy, and I'm going to use a new analogy because people get so mad. They email like, you use the same dollar bill analogy like every other podcast. So here's a new one, folks. It's the 4852. So have you heard of this? No. So the 4852 is a fascinating breakdown of where we hold our biases and where we hold our decision making. Mm -hmm. Right? So if it's a 90-10 decision or 95 five decision 95 percent is x five percent is y you're like you go with x why right. it's 95 percent. why are you spending don't research it five percent stop right just move on yeah 4852 four percentage points in between the shade of purple are we turning right or left 95 five 95 five left mm -hmm. all right we're going left fuck it we're going left shade of purple weeks attorneys pal yeah. Purchases. Well, this Paltone is 25 cents cheaper, and if we're going to do it over this distribution, da, 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 you know, all those things, right? Mm -hmm. Focus more on the little piece of minutia 
that in the grand scheme of things does not change anything you're doing. But the biggest percentage swings that we have, the 95 fives, we spend zero time on them because they look like the most obvious. Right. And that is inevitably a destruction for nothing other more than just loss. Mm. Right? If you are caught up on two percentage point differences and you don't care about 95 percentage points, what are you, then you're focused on minutia that even if not controlled. You right? just went into autopilot without even taking a moment. Yeah. And what if it gets blamed? The blame isn't 95% of people went left and we went right. However, if you look at every hero that we have, you know, the fantasy theme, the rhetoric behind every hero that we have, right. they're the five percenters. Elon yeah. Musk. That's right. Right? I mean, he's our modern day five percenter. He's our he's one of those guys just like, no, we're gonna do it. No, we're gonna do it. No, we're gonna do it this way. I don't care. I'm gonna drill holes under Los Angeles. No one's gonna stop me. <laughs> he's not caught up on the the degree in which the X in SpaceX turns left or right, or the arc of that percentage right. of that, he, does, he doesn't care no. at all because it's bigger picture. He's, he's like, but if the 5% goes this way, how does that deconstruct and break everything down? And that's mm -hmm. a massive story. You know, I don't, and it's not, you know, it's easy to say, though, the road less traveled, but I think it's more of a practice of just, looking at the road less traveled. You don't have to go down the road less traveled. I think people misconstrue this altogether. You don't have to go down that road, but no. you should look at it. Yeah, stop. Yeah. And then look over there. <laughs> maybe take a whiff, maybe, you know. I mean, what was- that Stopping alone uh, causes you to pause. It does. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I mean, think about your music, right? If you went, think about when you started your band and what the top bands were when you started. Right. If you would have followed their example, would you be doing what you love and doing what you're doing today? No, I wouldn't. Yeah, but <laughs> at all. That went, so you took the road less traveled. You really did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a hard one, but you know what? You feel great about it. You feel great about it, right? Yeah. Because it's because it's your road. It's your we own music. that road, right? It's your music. music. It might as well be your road. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, the, the, the sellout point is, is always the heartbreaker because it's like there's no reason for the there's no reason to have the sellout. No. If you just make it yours, you make it yours. Right. Right? I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, they win the dodgeball tournament. But even with the money. It was always his, you know, average yeah. Joe's hasn't changed. It's got more money, right? It's got better equipment, obviously, but average Joe's hasn't changed. No, they, they didn't, right. They stayed to the, true to themselves. If you will. True to themselves. The, the DNA of, of who they are and what they want to be is, has it, has it didn't change at all. And that's, that's it. I mean, you know, it's, being in this town, seeing success and not success. What's some advice you would give someone for that? Like, how do you not change in the lab? I mean, because we live in an attitude, we really live in an environment. I mean, 
not just Austin, America in general, right? We live in an environment of change. You could win a lot of tomorrow, change. You get a brand new big fat job, change. You could get um, a check from a VC or a private equity firm, change, right? Yeah. But it seems like from what I see um, is Austin holds it together a little bit better than let's say in LA or New York or Seattle does. Why do you think that is? Because we, we really embrace the, the fabric of our community is the quote unquote, the weirdness, the individual. Um, we, we celebrate that unique human aspect that everybody brings, right? We really like to be on um, the margins, if you will, right? Weirdness is, is normal, but what is weird? Weird is just somebody that's thinking, critically thinking or bringing something new and being unapologetic, unapologetically themselves. And we love that stuff in Austin, let me tell you. Do you I think that what? also- you still have a but that's okay. Do you also think that comes from the music being a oh, core of this for city? For sure, that, that was the drumbeat of that vibe of the culture was certainly the music. The food came after the music. Well, music I mean, heartbeat of it. Music, music sets, we've already talked about this, right? Music sets the tone for food. It sure right? does. You, the quiet kitchens don't make good food. I'm sorry, they don't. No. Right. They don't. They just don't make good food. Um, in the, um, in everything that's going on in the world, everything that's happening, uh, from COVID to elections to meteors flying by and people seeing aliens and ev everything we're seeing. Mm -hmm. As a father, as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a leader, I'll put you in that position because of your service to this great country. Um, what's, what's, a, what's a piece of advice uh, you could you'd give? Um, let's, go, let's go three pieces of advice. One, a person who's like, man, do I even go to college, right? I don't know what's gonna yeah. happen. I'm 30, should I vote? What does this even mean? I mean, I didn't vote for this guy last time. He just took all my rights away. So what matters if I vote? And I'm 60 and I'm too old to get in these conversations. Right, I would say take a snapshot of yourself and how do you feel today? Okay. Okay. And first question is, are you happy with where you are? And given a challenge, given, say, uh, should I go to college? Think of yourself at the tail end, the struggle of college. Then you graduate. Is your feeling better than what it is today? Or is it worse? Be honest. The answer is usually, you know, you know the answer, right? Yeah. Um, it's just get them out because a lot of times in this, we're in our own heads too much, you know, or we're, we're not, we don't critically think. If you have an inner voice, listen to it. Um, that, that's definitely my, my advice. You know? What's that young 30-something who just, I mean, they're caught in the middle, right? They were promised and they kind of started to live through a great economy and, you know, uh, good, old, uh, good old capitalism kind of kicked them in the teeth a little bit. But it also showed them flexibility, uh, vulnerability in situations and flexibility in other situations, right? Yeah. And we, we've lived through a couple of those now. I mean, right. we're, 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 get, we're running towards 50 and we're like, we've seen a couple of these kids. What do you, uh, what do you say to those young entrepreneurs and businesswomen and men out there? 
Right now, it's a lot. It's so easy to go blame anything outside of yourself. There's a lot of factors that are screwing things up. So that's the easy argument. The harder one is grab yourself by the the bootstraps and look. Keep it simple. How can you better yourself today and help somebody else at the same time? What is that? Is that getting uh, getting off your PlayStation and go drive for Uber for three hours? Make a connection with that person. Have a random conversation with, a, with that person. Maybe get inspiration from somebody you've never spoken to. But don't stay static. And don't follow that, the crowd if it deviates from your own personal, what, what you want in life, right? And so that's what I would, I would say. Is step back and, and challenge yourself to be better than who you were yesterday. Do a little better than that. Actually, think of something specific. Okay, mm-hmm. whether it is that I, uh, if you're doing drugs, too much drinking, cut that down, and maybe go talk to the the 65 year old neighbor. Maybe they need their light bulbs fixed. So, whatever, do something of service to somebody. That's not serving yourself. Because guess what? It's going to come back to you tenfold if you help somebody else. That's a beautiful piece of advice right there giving um what may be a limber and uh you know uh, more attuned body to doing things that a neighbor can't do and also at the end of the day it also just helps you get to know your neighbors because you don't know when you're going to need them you don't know what that 65 year old neighbor can or cannot do you have no idea and let's Uh, think about on the macro it's easy to look at the news and hate and go don't do that you're human being human beings are amazing we're so adaptable. But what do, you, what do you need to do to trigger that is to go help somebody. Take that anger and turn it into something good. Yeah. You'll I, get inspired from it, I guarantee you. I couldn't agree more. I think it's a beautiful sentiment. I mean, people, a lot of people get caught. They see the news. They wake up. They see the news. And whether they, they like the president or dislike the president or like the Congress or dislike the Congress, House, Senate, you know, all those things, right? Yeah. And they let that influence their day versus an action they can do to influence the day. I do two things. Um, I try to do a little exercise, just get out of my mm-hmm. monkey brain and just go yeah. and just sweat for an hour. Just sweat, just, you know, just be tired for a moment. And not tired mentally from the news and bump, but physically just be a little tired. Yeah, go through a physical right? hardship. A little right. physical hardship, A. And then B, you know, um, you reach out to some people and you're like, hey, how are you doing? Like to mm-hmm. check in, a couple people, right? Hey, how are you doing? Everything okay? You good? All right, you good? Good. All right, well, hey, listen, man, just checking in because I, I don't want anyone to feel lost. I felt lost, right? I've, I felt yeah. alone. I felt embattled. And I would, I would spin off of what you've said in the, in, in the great words that you've said and say, that feeling you're having now or that feeling you've had, those dark feelings, someone's having them now in your friend group. They just are. Yeah. Because life's not easy. You know, and and yeah, listen, in some ways, life is a movie and like dodgeball at the end, you're going to win the prize money. You're going to have a good time. Some of you are. Some of you haven't got to the end of your movie where you get to win the prize money. Some of you are at the beginning of the problems. You're like, shit, this is the beginning. Sorry. Mm -hmm. However, you have people around you. And more importantly, if you're, if you can figure out how to navigate the waters, and I apologize, I don't have a better way to do this you can navigate into different groups, into different people 
and leverage and learn from them. And if you can do those things, those simple things of talking to someone new, um, actually listening to someone that's been a friend of yours for a while, actually listen, actually listen to them. If you can do some of those things and practice those things at a young age through your teens and 20s and 30s and 40s, if you can do those things, that short period of your life where you have the most energy, but also you're the most malleable, yep. you're going to do great things. Mm -hmm. And it might not be defined in the way that you think great is today, but I can tell you this, the most impactful people I've known, the greatest people I'd put on my Mount Rushmore of great, it's not a president, it's not a senator, it's not a congresswoman or congressman, it's not a judge, but they're people that directly impacted my life because they took that idea and that philosophy of listening and learning from others and departing that wisdom in a kinder, gentler, non-judgmental way to an yeah. arrogant, piece of shit like me mm -hmm. god bless him for it god bless him for it right and absolutely you know you want to take something away from dodgeball here's what you take away from dodgeball they won they won in three ways they worked hard so they won because they actually put forth an effort they worked right odds were against them. odds were they against won. them they worked hard and they won they got the money they used it properly they worked hard and they won again mm-hmm Number three, they got closer together. They worked hard and they won with a team, going back to originally where you're at, armed services and a family, the family business. You guys know community, you know camaraderie, you know the trials and tribulations of life and what it means to push through to them. And then yeah, and if you fast looked at each it, individual, yeah, you would say better. failure, failure, failure. There's no way in hell this group is going to do anything. You're not even going to be able to cook breakfast or win a game of dodgeball. You guys aren't even going to function. You're not but that's function. the power. But also it's, it's the community team, right? And getting to know and listen once again. And then There's fast forward, we just said at the end, right? It's just like, hey, are you, are you that leader that's going to find the great things and pull them out of the person while still at the same time challenge them to get better on their weaker points? Yeah. And if you're not, are you creating a path for that leader to show up? What are you doing Absolutely. to help? And then fast forward to the end of the conversation, we're talking about go help a neighbor. Mm -hmm. What if your neighborhood's a team? How's your team doing? Because if someone dies next to you, right? Is that yeah. someone you didn't know? Or is that someone you didn't care to get to know because you just, it was a long day and you're a little shy. Right. Right. You want to challenge and grow, challenge and grow, but don't get caught up in the microcosm of I can do a thousand pushups a day, American Psycho movie we haven't done yet, right. which probably should do. Don't yeah. get caught up in that, right? Don't get caught up no. in, well, I just, you know, I help out over here. I do this. Those are good things. But don't forget your neighbors. Don't forget your people. Don't forget the community. Because Step it is a out way. of your comfort zone. Do it. Yeah. Do it. And you're going to find people that you politically disagree with. You're going to find That's even people. better. Thank you. Right? It's even better. That's the win. That's the well, absolute win. Let's not do this tribalism crap, right? Yeah. You got to forget all the reds and the blues. 
forget that. Connect as human beings because that's where things don't come into this world and when you're engaging with other people with airs or judgment. Come in with a clean slate and talk. Talk. These things could happen. An argument could happen. Whatever. That's healthy too. But it's healthy. Just well, guess to what? win it's engage. Healthy. It's yeah. healthy to have a conversation, a spirited conversation. Absolutely. You can, or you can also mind your P's and Q's. Don't worry about them. Mind your P's and Q's. Can you be respectful at the same time pose an argument? If you can't, good of you to recognize, grow. Learn how you can talk about debatable issues and have a fun conversation. And at the end of the day, you can still give that person a hug and be like, if, if your car is broken down, if you need some milk, if you need some eggs, whatever you I'm here for you. I'm your neighbor. I'm here to help. A quick snippet story. I lived in Boston seven years. Boston's a, bit, a very blue state. I yep. grew up in a conservative family. I was a Republican, was. But I, I went in and at this bar, it was like, bad for me, but it was good for conversations. Um, it was about 600 feet from my apartment. And I would go in and we'd talk about Paul's. We'd go right up in that, right? But all of it was open-minded. We all agreed that let's try to... Uh, respect each other's opinion and agree that if there's a disagreement, fine. Try to stick to as much factual information as possible. We're not, we're not perfect, but we're going to come out of here cheering and having beer. We're not going to get angry. Is that everybody good with that? Man, I learned how to communicate. I also learned not to be a Republican. I'm, I'm an independent, but <laughs> I, because I, I, I was one of those, um, you know, pro life Republicans, right? Okay. Um, I was I was red, and um, but I opened my mind. I shut all that because man, we come in with ready with our view of the world, and we're ready to battle. When you do this, you take your fist away, and you, and you grab a beer instead. And you, you're cheers. You're, you're you're connected with somebody that with differing views, and you're really open and listen. Both of you will learn and respect each other. Yeah, I learned a lot in those seven years. It's awesome. It's a beautiful thing. People should do that more. Folks, I don't think there's a better way to close the podcast. Those wise, wise words right there, except for the thing you love the most. And here it is. My time when I get to say goodbye to Chris. Chris, email me your song. We're going to put it at the intro to this. And as you do that, my daughter's going to sing about the first time she took a poop alone. I know you know those memories well. So <laughs> with that, my friend. Oh, I do. Thank you for this time. Uh, time is the one thing we don't get back. So I, I greatly, greatly appreciate it and your thoughts and insights. And um, anytime you want to come on this podcast, please, please do. It was a pleasure talking with you, getting to know you a little bit more. And uh, when all this stuff ends, uh, maybe next time we can uh, do it at Dive Bar uh, properly with a, with a server and a couple of cocktails. Now that would be awesome, my friend. This was a pleasure for me being here. I had a blast. Thank you very Thank you. much. Thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Appreciate you, brother. Take care. Bye-bye.